This morning, the church is open after several months of being closed due to COVID-19, coronavirus, and the other variants. And there are many changes that are in place or will be in place. Social distancing will have a big impact on the church as we were used to, and masks being passed out at the door, and maybe even temperatures being taken, possibly the church norm handshaking and hugs and laying on of hands and shared microphones and possibly the abolishment of some choirs or changes that would be different in church after this virus. And there will be many different protocols for the church and many changes will be in place. Of all the changes that would be taking place in the church after COVID-19, one change that needs to take place in the church is the glory of the Lord. It will not change the glory of the Lord and how we truly worship God in truth and in spirit. There seems to be some confusion about what worship is. How do I worship the Lord? Am I supposed to feel something when I worship the Lord? Uh, Is the Lord happy with my praise? Well, I want to start off by first ending the rumor that the only place you can worship the Lord is in the church. You can go in your bathroom and worship the Lord. Can I get get an amen? You see, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the tabernacle was ripped from top to bottom, signifying that we can worship the Lord wherever we are. Well, Reverend Hagin, does that mean we don't have to come to church? No, I did not say that. (laughs) And let me clear it up now by using Hebrews 10, 25, that tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Lord wants us to come to church and worship him among other believers in addition to the worship that you give him outside the church. See, the Lord has a special blessing for you assembled that you you will not get worshiping alone. Furthermore, if you are worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth, nothing, I said nothing, will keep you from coming to the house of the Lord anyway. Amen. So what is worship? What is worship? The Bible defines worship as the human response to the perceived presence of the divine, a presence that transcends, transcends normal activity and is holy. Did you all get that? So the definition of worship is an activity that exceeds or rises above what we would normally do. True worship is a realization that the Lord is in the place. And in the presence of the Lord, you can't help but to be better than you normally would be. Did you catch that? The presence of the Lord would take you to a higher level than you could ever go on your own. Mm. But you got to be willing to go. And you have to be ready to go. Come on, somebody. Now, now what does it mean to be ready and willing? Well, Well, let me tell you that you cannot go on this journey with baggage. Can I take my time? What baggage? I'm talking about the baggage that we tend to bring to the house of prayer with us. Hmm. Baggage is anything that is stealing your attention from Jesus and hindering your worship. If you have a desire and you are willing to worship the Lord and let him take you higher, you must first check your bags at the door. Ushers, did you hear that? Check them. Don't don't let them weigh you down. Because you don't know what is going to happen when the Lord shows up and shows out in this place. 
Can I get some help here? See, you may want to jump for the Lord, and if you're full of baggage, your leap won't be too great. You may want to run for the Lord. Well, you you can't be burdened with bags. You may want to sing for the Lord. Well, I I can't speak to you, but my song is a a little clearer when my mind is on Jesus. Yes, my song is a little stronger when I can let go of the bags. (laughs) So I, I, I can't lift my hand to the hills from which come my help. See, my song is a little louder when I'm free of concern about anything else but receiving a blessing from God. Because what God has for me, it is for me. (laughs) And I'm not going to let him have to look look for me up under some junk that I have brought into the house of God to give me a blessing. Are you with me? Stay with me, church. Here I am, Lord, right here with my mind on Jesus. I tell you, you check those bags at the door and come into this house and give the Lord the praise and the worship he deserves. And when you go to pick up those bags, hallelujah, they just might be gone. So today we're going to see in the Gospel of Luke a woman that defines true worship. She shows unadulterated worship. Some, Some say, well, I don't care who's... Who's watching worship? You know, that's the kind of attitude. I don't care who's watching me worship. Let's look at the scripture today. Pharisees were the religious leaders. By definition, Pharisee means the separated ones. They really looked down on those who were not as they were. They were those who were very strict in their religion. And they really pointed their finger of judgment and accusation to everybody else. They enjoyed getting praise from men. The Pharisees opposed Jesus because he refused to accept the teachings of the oral law. So it should strike you as odd that someone who opposes Jesus would invite him to their house for dinner. (laughs) It seemed to me that this was a setup, and it was. Yes, but we know that Jesus doesn't just get, he doesn't get set up. He does the setting up. He went to the Pharisee's house because he knew it would be another opportunity to teach Everyone, including the self-righteous Pharisees who thought they knew everything. Now understand this, that in these times that if someone was invited, especially if they were popular or famous, and if the word got out in the village or the community that this famous person was coming to your house, folk would come to your house and just stand around the walls just to see. Am I right? So I can imagine that those folks are gathered around hundreds outside the house of Simon the Pharisee just to get a look at Jesus. And at dinner, they would sit down. Uh, they would not sit down as we do today, but they would recline. They would use one arm to hold themselves up, and their body would be in a prone position. So here we are with Jesus reclining at dinner. He's at dinner at the home of a self-righteous Pharisee. And the word got out. Somebody say, the word got out. That Jesus was in the house. And so here we are with crowds of folk lined up around the house. And then somebody <laughs> showed up. Verse 37 says, and behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. And and it even said when she knew. Now, now there are hundreds of folk outside the house, but this woman knew that Jesus was there. And she has made up in her mind that I have to get to him. Now, this is my chance, she said, and nothing is going to stop me. So the crowds of folk aren't going to stop me. What they think about me is not going to stop me. Whoever's in this house is that I'm going to go into is not going to stop me. And so let's look at what we have here. A sinful woman just came to the house and took over. Y'all didn't get that. 
She wasn't bothering anybody. All she did was got to the feet of Jesus and she just started crying. Lord have mercy. Let's look at this for a moment. See, a child does not truly realize the wrong they have done until they are in the presence of their parents. And they see the hurt their actions has caused them. Uh A child can be just doing whatever, but until judgment shows up, until that parent shows up, and they come to themselves and realize, oh, I'm in trouble now. Uh Let's look at it like like this sinner. Does not truly understand the magnitude of his sins until he gets close to God. Uh The recognition of the presence of God in your life will cause a change. I don't care what you say. Come on, somebody. The recognition of Christ in your life will cause a change. You cannot be the same way you were last year if you have been in the presence of God. Amen, somebody. You begin a self-examination that will cause you to shout, Lord, forgive me. You'll be remorseful and you will repent for your sins and that you have perpetrated against God. So all the woman did was to get close to Jesus and just broke out crying. Oh, I can hear it now. And this is not just what you would call a sob or a normal cry. This was such a cry that tears poured out of her eyes of this woman. And she began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears. Now those are tears. And so this was her first step of transformation. The presence of God will also cause you to do things that you would not normally do. Case in point. Let's look at what she did next. She did something else that was not sociably, uh, socially acceptable. She let her hair down. Uh-huh. That's right. That's she was not worried about a society that had already rejected her. Mm-hmm. She was not worried about anyone, what anybody thought. She was worshiping Jesus. And she started wiping his feet with her hair as she cried. Yeah. Can you imagine that? And so here's the picture. Jesus is at dinner at the house of a self-righteous Pharisee. And there is this woman that everybody in the town knows to be a sinner. She's a prostitute. And before they can say anything, she broke open her alabaster box Uh of ointment while crying and wiping his feet. And she's kissing his feet. And she anoints them with the ointment. She's a sinner at the feet of Jesus. Do you get that, church? And now we see Simon, you know. What does that have to do with you, Simon? She came to worship Jesus. Uh She did not come to worship you. This is Jesus speaking to Simon. And the Pharisees of 2000 and 2022 do the same thing. There she is over there worshiping and praising the Lord. Why is she over there doing that? I heard about this and I heard about that. And then why don't you just keep your what you heard to yourself? Hey, they are not here to worship you. And what you think, they are here to worship God. Come on, somebody. And notice here what Jesus does not, notice here that Jesus does not stop the woman. He knew that the woman was a prostitute, but he didn't stop her. He knew she was a sinner, but he didn't stop her. And she was at his feet and not at Simon's feet. You got that? Nobody came to worship you, Simon, in the first place. And if you had any spiritual sense, you would be over there worshiping yourself. Child, I just saw her at the cloud club last night. Now she's out there worshiping. Well, what is that to you? You don't know what happened last night. In other words, you don't know the cost of her praise. Come on, somebody. And see, that's the problem, church. A lot of folk come to church to spectate rather than to participate. And I call them, as I think about the games on last night, I call them professional scouts. They come to the church and get a seat so they can see everybody. 
From the time somebody gets a program and goes to their seat, they have scanned them thoroughly, top to bottom, right to left, to see if they are matching, clothes outdated, looking at their eyes to see if it looks like they've been out all night. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And by the time they sit down, the person sits down, they've given them a scouting report to the person on the other side of them. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. See, churches not be usual. It's not going to be like it used to be. You, you see, scouting is not a form of worship. Worshiping is being in tune to God. Yeah. Now, what does in tune mean? That means that you don't let any kind of radio frequency get in between you and what you're listening to with God. Yeah. So, saints, we cannot scout and worship at the same time. That's right. Do you think that this woman was worried about if the dishes were matching in the house of Sam? Do you think she noticed that the floor needed sweeping? No, she was there to worship. And nothing else mattered. And she was going to let anything, she was not going to let anything around her interfere with her worship. So if our desire is to worship like this woman, we got to rid ourselves of worship excuses. What are you saying, Reverend? I, I don't have anything to wear. Don't matter. They know what I do and they're going to look at me funny. Don't matter. Right. I've right. not been churching on so long time. Well, what a better day to come back than today. Yeah. That's right. Are the all-time famous, I'm going to come to church and worship when I get myself together. What is together? Yeah. Am I talking to somebody in here today? Don't you know you can't fix anything without the help of God? So the only definition of together in the context of your life becoming better has to include Jesus. If it doesn't include Jesus, it is never better. Only ranges from bad to worse. And listen, if I have dirt on my robe, I cannot use dirt to remove dirt. I need a cleaner. Something with the power to cleanse and blot out my stain. And just as we are sinners, anything we have or can use to remove sin is corrupt. And therefore it is impossible for us to remove sin without a powerful cleanser, without the one who is sinless, without the blood of Jesus that makes me whole. He removes the stain of worry from my life. He removes the stain of stress from my life. When I stumble, he picks me up, turns me around, and places my feet on a solid ground. And yes, my definition of together includes Jesus because I've realized in my old age that away from the Father, I am hopeless and helpless and I can do nothing but fail. Now quickly, let's get back to the woman. Now Jesus did not stop the woman and she was at his feet. And the Pharisees were judging her to himself. You see, that's that, that's that self-righteous attitude. <laughs> you think you're the only one that can praise him. You think you're the only one that can worship him. <laughs> no, the Lord will receive praise. And he said, if you don't do it, then the rocks will do it. And if the grown folk won't do it, then the children will do it. Are you with me, church? So you can sit back and be sophisticated if you want to. But the Lord said, I demand worship. And I demand praise. And he deserves worship. And he deserves praise. And so as, I, as we, we quickly come to a close, so Simon is in his arrogance and says, I'm supposed to be the one he forgave the most. And Jesus says, you have rightly judged. Now, what is Jesus saying to us with this parable? What is he saying? Jesus said, there are some of us in here who think you only owe God $5 worth of sin. <laughs> and because you think you only owe God $5 worth of sin, now the Lord has forgiven you, 
You go with your every no and then, every no and then, amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and your once in a while, hallelujah. Oh, but you get that brother or sister who used to be on drugs, who used to be in the alley, who used to be out on the streets, who had been downcast, thrown away from his family, lost his job, lost his home, lost everything, and the Lord saves them. You would shout too. You'd run too. You would dance too. Come on, somebody. You would jump up and down too. Amen. So because you don't care what they say about you, because you know that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side that saved you, you would have been gone. Well, he should be praising more because he has sinned more than me. No, church, the Bible teaches us that there is no little sin and no big sin. There's no black sin and there's no white sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. And it doesn't say the wages of big sin is death. No, it says the wages of sin, period, is death. So it does not matter to what degree you think you have sinned. In the eyes of God, sin is sin. And so once you realize that sin is sin, and you begin to look at it and see sin as God sees sin, then you too can be released from the yoke of self-righteousness. And you too will begin to participate in true worship. Because you'll realize it was the Lord who gave you life and who spared your life by giving life to you that you could have everlasting life. So if you believe that God has saved your life and you owe your life to him in service, then you are not going to sit back, wait on somebody to ask you to join the choir, participate in a ministry around the church because service to the Lord is worship just like praise is worship. Nobody has to call you and ask if you will serve on that committee. Nobody has to because service is worship. Service to the Lord is a labor of love. Because you realize how far God has brought you. I've recognized that my sin has kept me out of fellowship with the Lord. So no more do I wake up on Sunday morning and lie in the bed trying to figure out if I'm going to go to church or not. Or if I feel like singing or praying. It's automatic. If the Lord blesses me with another day to live, a good portion of that day is going to be spent worshiping through prayer, service, and praise. Now let's quickly look at verse 44. Now it was time for Jesus to say a little something to his host. Yeah. Now up to this point, Jesus had been relatively calm, even though he was being disrespected in the house of Simon. Yeah. And so Jesus said to Simon, that first of all, you didn't wash my feet. <laughs> but this woman washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Jesus said, you did not greet me with a customary kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing my feet since I got here. Simon, she is trying to make up for where you have fallen short. Making up for your unhospitality. And finally, it was as a customary to anoint the head of your guest of honor at your house with perfumed oil. Just imagine how hard you would have to be crying to wash someone's feet with their tears, with your tears. Yes. Now I had to imagine myself in the position of this woman. If I am crying, if I am crying and had enough to drench the feet of Jesus with my tears, then I'm not going to turn around and just dap a little oil on him from the box. I'm not going to be using the oil sparingly. No, if anointing is showing respect and love, then I'm not going to be worried about how much this stuff costs. After I was done pouring out the entire box on his feet. Come on, somebody. Matter of fact, I'm going to scrape the bottom of the box. 
How many, come on, come on, somebody, because I know that he deserves that. And so then verse 47, wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. Now you see, church, her faith has saved her. She didn't have any good works to her name, but she believed in the Lord. She trusted Christ. She asked for forgiveness. And there are some among us today who have not put their trust or faith in Jesus. You are sitting there with a full alabaster box called your heart. And that box is filled with love and worship and praise. But instead of emptying the box, instead of breaking the box on Jesus, we chose to ration it. Dab it a little bit here and there. Are you afraid that the box would not be replenished? The Lord said, prove me now. That the winners of heaven will pour out a blessing that you will not have room to receive it. So the question of the day is, are you tired of leaving church with a full alabaster box? The only reason that something has value is because someone is willing to pay for it. And the Lord said, I love you and I'm going to prove it. I will send my only begotten son to die for their sins. The Lord said, I will give to man what is most precious, most valuable to me, my only son, because I love man so much, because I want to save man. And I know they will reject me, but I'm going to still send him. I know they'll lead him through the streets and beat him, but I'm still going to send him. I know they're going to kick him and spit on him, but I'm going to still send him. I know that they're going to put a crown of thorns on his head, but I'm going to still send him. I know they're going to drop spikes in his hands and his feet and hang him on a cross of Calvary and die, but I'm going to still send him. I know they're going to pierce him in his side, but I'm going to still send him. I know my son will cry out to me, Lord, if thou be, let this cup pass of me, but I'm going to still send him. I know that for three days my son will be lying in a barred tomb but on the third day man will finally know why I sent him because on that third day my son will get up with all power come on somebody with all power with all power in his hand because Jesus paid the wages of sin with his own death and so as I get ready to take my seat Lord I'm going to sing till my throat hurts if the choir isn't here I'm going to sing I'm going to shout hallelujah not care what folks think. I'm going to preach and teach the word as long as the Father allows me. I'm going to pay my tithes, Father God. I'm going to praise your name with all that's within me. I'm going to leave out of this worship the same as I came in. I'm going to give you all my all. The rocks will not take the place because I'm going to sing hallelujah. I'm going to sing hallelujah. And I've come to pour my praise on him. Like all from Mary's alabaster box. Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and dry them with my hair. You weren't there the night Jesus found me. You did not feel what I felt. Then he's wrapped his loving arms around me. And you don't know the cost of the oil. You don't know the cost of my praise. You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. God bless you and have a smile upon you. We know that you have been blessed through the hearing of God's word on this day. We invite you to join us at New Providence Missionary Baptist Church located at 4813 Hilltop Needmore Road, Fuquay, Arena, North Carolina. For more information, you can contact our ministry at 919-552-3531.
or visit our website at www.newprovidencebaptist.com. Thank you for joining us and be blessed.